I sent my oldest son off to a youth retreat this weekend. He was hours away. And like at any time when I'm not with him, I really missed him. But with that great distance and for those several days, I was really feeling the disconnect. I'm so glad that he had his gab phone along. I was able to send him a quick text each evening to ask about his day and to tell him that I was praying for him. Have you heard of these things? The gab phones? That's gab, G-A-B-B. They look and feel a lot like a smartphone, but they aren't connected to the internet in any way. A user can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's about it. With the Gab phone, I had peace of mind knowing that I could get a hold of my son all weekend, but that he didn't have access to the internet. And most importantly, the internet didn't have access to him. He wasn't scrolling social media or being sent shady photos from total strangers. He wasn't wasting time playing video games or being taken advantage of by cyber stalkers. If you too are interested in purchasing a regular cell phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can grab 30% off a Gab phone or a Gab watch right now. Head to GabWireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's capital letters. M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M. So once again, go to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom Welcome to the mom to mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Today, we are honored to welcome our first guest of the season, Dr. Kathy Cook. Dr. Cook is the founder of Celebrate Kids Incorporated based in Fort Worth, Texas. She is a regular speaker for CareNet, Summit Ministries, the Colson Center, and Teach Them Diligently. She's also a popular guest on Focus on the Family Radio. She was featured in Kirk Cameron's movie, Connect, and she's published five books with Moody Publishers. Jamie September and I were privileged to meet Dr. Kathy when we all spoke at the Teach Them Diligently homeschool conferences around the country last year, and we were delighted to have the opportunity to get to know her and her team. Now, Dr. Kathy has written numerous books, including Eight Great Smarts, Discover and Nurture Your Children's Intelligences. And under her direction, Tina Hollenbeck wrote Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, a guide to teaching based on your child's unique strengths. We're excited to speak with her today about the eight great smarts for your child, and we know you will glean much from her wisdom. So let's get started. Dr. Kathy, welcome to the mom to mom podcast. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm so glad to be here. You too, Jamie. Well, Dr. Kathy, what are the eight great smarts and why are they important? You know, I don't know about you two, but when I was in school, I thought there was one definition of intelligence, right? It was the kids who got done first. <laughs> yeah. uh, and got that big golden star on their page. Yeah. Exactly. You know, math was easy and maybe writing came easily, but Howard Gardner at Harvard University discovered that our brain is actually multifaceted. We have eight different ways of being smart. We believe all children are born with the capacity to develop all eight, and they are word smart. They think with words, logic smart. They think with questions, 
Uh, picture smart, they think uh, with their eyes in pictures. Music smart, they think with rhythms and melodies. Body smart, they think with movement and touch. Nature smart, they think with patterns. That's how they know it's not a bluebird or a blue jay. They remember which is which. And then uh, people smart, we think with other people. And self smart, we think deeply inside of ourselves. So those are the eight. They're in a particular order. I can explain if you want me to. But again, we think everybody has the capacity to develop all eight. Hmm. And if you have more than one child, you probably have, you know, more than one smart represented in your home, I would imagine. Listening to that list, I'm I'm ticking off all of my kids thinking, oh, yes, I have one of those. I have one of those. <laughs> right, Jamie. You know, we, we have all eight and it's I usually recommend that moms think about the top four and the bottom four. And like it's not essential that you figure out for each of your kids, which is number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But really, you know, what are their top four? Maybe what are their bottom four? And because they're created in God's image and not our image, it's mm. possible they're not even much like us. And you might have siblings that are different. And that might be why they don't get along. I think it's a fascinating way to look at their identity and to affirm them for who they are. So if you believe that everyone is born with these eight smarts, but they need to be awakened somehow to speak, how exactly does that happen? How do we awaken that in our kids? How do we help them become aware of what smarts they have and champion that in them? Oh, I love that question. Both parts of that, you know, let me answer the second one first. How do we help them be aware we start using the word smart, mm. you know, so instead of saying to a child, well, you're really creative or, you know, what a good writer you are. Not that we couldn't say those things, but to say, I think you're very picture smart. You used a lot of adjectives when you wrote your story and I saw the action come alive in my mind. You're really very picture smart. Mm. That's so specific. And we believe at Celebrate Kids that identity controls behavior. So when you tell a child who a child is, you know, you are picture smart and you are music smart and you are nature smart. That's why you love being outside and digging in the dirt. Even when I've asked you not to 10,000 times, you know, and so to use the word smart is one way to help them become aware of it. And then of course the awakening piece would be as well. And Jamie, one of the ways that we awaken their smarts is to make sure we play with them and we play differently. My brother is a world renowned clinical chemist and he would say that his chemistry ability was awakened when grandma and grandpa gave him a chemistry set when he was 10 years old. Mm. So just the way we play, what we play with, the books we read, the conversations we have, the field trips we take on Thursdays and Saturdays, the books we read, the questions we ask them, all those things would awaken the way that God has gifted them to be smart. I love that verbiage, you know, calling them picture smart or music smart. We talk a lot on the podcast of the power of our words. And I I would imagine that's very empowering to a child, especially for a child who, you know, in the the regular sense of quote unquote, smart academic smarts, you know, we, we tend to only think that one way in our society. I'm sure that that is very empowering to a child who maybe thinks outside the box or whose gifts and passions haven't always been so easily recognizable to the world. It's so true. The reason that I list word and logic as the first and the second is that those are what we call the school smarts. If you think about, you know, the academic pursuit of any aged person, even if you're 30 years old and you're back in grad school or an adult Sunday school class, if you have a lot of brain cells in the word and the logic smart of the brain and you think with words and you think with questions and you cause effect and you comparison contrast often, then schooling is easier. But we all know people who are very successful at school and not doing very well at life. 
right? Or vice versa. Or vice versa. How many of us know people who, you know, school was really not their safe place, but life they have flourished in. They're entrepreneurs. They're fabulous moms, Mm -hmm. husbands, wives, dads, because they have all eight embedded within them. And what's really, what breaks my heart, ladies, are kids who say to me after my school programs or church programs is, well, Dr. Kathy, I thought I was only creative and my brother was the smart one. And I've been mad at God for years that he didn't make me smart too. Mm. And when you find out that because you can sing in tune, you're smart because you're good at reading people and figuring out how to motivate and not manipulate, you're smart because, you know, body smart, you can kick a ball with your left and right leg through the soccer goal. That's pretty smart. You're not just athletic or artistic or creative or singing in tune. You do all those things because God made you smart too. You know what, Jamie, it's very empowering. I was interested to find out that if people don't think they're smart, they don't study. Mm. Right, Kate? Yeah, that was me. Well, I used (laughs) to think, you know, if you don't think you're smart, then you would study more so that you would do better. No. But Mm -hmm. if you don't think you're smart, you don't think studying will help you. So you actually Mm -hmm. underperform. And I wonder if there are children who never become who they could have become because we didn't know to call them this. And to all the moms who are listening, you weren't responsible for this yesterday. So no shame, no blame. If you've never told your kids that they're smart because they sing in tune or they play with their sister really, really well No, but now you're empowered because the mom to mom podcast exists and it's, you know, just so good to be with you. We've narrowed it so much. It's always just been book learning smarts. When I was growing up, I, I just, I believed I wasn't smart. So I didn't work hard. Now, when I got older, I remember my sister saying, we, we always thought you were the smart one, but I was never told that. And it's so funny to me now because I just, I didn't believe it. So I didn't work hard. I remember I couldn't learn to read till I was in, it was either second or third grade. It was really hard for me to learn to read. And I always thought that, you know, the smarts were the book smarts. We've narrowed it so, and I I, I just love mm-hmm. that you're broadening it. You know, the music smarts, the body smarts, the nature smarts, that those kids that would so much rather be out in the dirt than, you know, sitting doing spelling or whatever, <laughs> although they need to still learn those things, but that they can be smart in so many other ways. I think it's so empowering for those kids and for those moms to see that my child has all kinds of giftings that I have to get out of that narrow box. I think it's beautiful. And correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Kathy, what I hear you saying is once you figure out or determine what are those giftings or area of smarts in your kids, it's not that they can't study and do well at school. It's that you're giving them a tool in a way that they can study to do well because they're leaning in to the smart that they have, as opposed to putting them in a box saying, no, you can only learn this way. Do I have that right? Right. That's one of the powering things is that maybe children are learning something one day through the word of the logic. You know, most first lessons would be through the word and the logic, and maybe they don't grasp it fully, or you need to review uh, two or three days later. Now use a different part of the brain to do that. So as an example, nature smart is patterning. That's how they recognize this is a pine tree or this is an elm tree, not an oak tree. This is a cumulus cloud. This is something else. Uh, You can use that when you're learning B and D and was and saw and a six and a nine and the word stop and the word pots. Those are all patterns. And when you point that out to kids, now they're using their nature smart, like they collect acorns and dead things and leaves and blades of grass because they love the outdoors and they love the patterns that are there. They'd rather study biology than general science. These these are the kids who are going to be better at oceanography than they will be at physics. They're smart differently. 
and we can take those intelligences side by side. If I were homeschooling kids and I wanted them to learn spelling words and I knew that they were body smart, I would let their spelling words be arm, leg, wrist, finger, toe, torso, right? And I would let them study the words that go along with soccer, which they love playing with their dad or with their coach. And that motivates and that encourages them to do well. That makes so much sense. Also, Dr. Kathy, you say that a smart can be paralyzed. How so? And if this happens, is there a way for a smart to be reawakened? Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about that too, because uh, the answer, unfortunately, is yes. And this is why I want to say again to any mom and maybe even dads are listening and maybe there are even kids eavesdropping on the conversation. Uh, Paralysis happens. Uh, The brain is a muscle, like all the other muscles in our body. So it can be paralyzed. And one of the main ways, my friends, is the, the tone of voice that we use the things we say, you know, that's unacceptable, or you call that finished, or is that the best you can read that? A very questioning tone. And maybe we think we're encouraging. And I know that would be the heart of the mom would be to encourage and to, you know, help them improve. Um, I remember children who were playing the piano and they thought they were doing really well until dad shouted, stop all that racket in there. And I've talked to so many kids who were learning to read where it was maybe challenging like it was for you. And they read, 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 like, like, like the, this, and they were teased or laughed at or embarrassed. And, and so paralysis can set in what we don't say, what we do say wrongly. Um, I know of kids who, you know, a mom read a sister's poem to her mother, the grandmother on the phone and didn't take the time to read that little girl's poem. And that little girl decided mommy doesn't like me or my poem. She only likes my sister and her poem. That's not the truth. What happened was grandma had to run to an errand or, you know, mom's cell signal cut off, but children interpret all that as they don't like me as much. So, you know, the really, really good news though, if paralysis has occurred and it maybe occurred 30 minutes ago for somebody who's listening, uh, the brain can be reawakened. And the best way to do it is to apologize. If we can determine what might've happened that caused a child to lose hope, you know, they weren't called on when they raised their hand, you know, constantly. Their poem wasn't read to grandma. Somebody laughed at their reading or they got four things wrong on a test and they think they're stupid when in fact they forgot to study. So they were careless and disobedient, not stupid, right? If we can help them reframe that with, you know, I'm so sorry for my critical spirit and the harsh words that was inappropriate. I'm sorry that I scared your heart. Let's try again. Like that's the best way. That's the research that I've done with kids and parents and Teenagers of all ages, apologies go a far way. If you don't know that you were a part of it, observe your child more consistently to look for where the defeat begins and see if you can rescue their spirit in those moments. As Kate, September, and I traveled around the country this past spring, meeting thousands of moms just like you, we continue to hear the same question over and over again. How do I occupy my baby or toddler while also mothering and perhaps homeschooling my older kids. And without fail, our collective answer was to gather some engaging and brain-boosting activities for your baby or taught to do that they only do during your busiest times of the day. And while you could spend hours brainstorming different to-dos, you don't have to. KiwiCo has done all the heavy lifting for you. Their Panda Crate has everything your brand new newborn or trailblazing toddler needs to not just stay occupied, but to develop early learning skills. Panda Crate is a subscription box filled with playful, open-ended activities backed by research and designed especially for naturally curious and creative babies and toddlers. With a Panda Crate subscription from KiwiCo, your baby receives a new crate filled with two months worth of products and content every other month. 
My kids are obviously not babies or tots anymore, but they still love getting their tinker and maker crates from KiwiCo that are like hands-on laboratories brought right to our front stoop. With KiwiCo crates, my kids can infuse science, technology, engineering, and math into one cohesive project. They're inspired to create and innovate. And the best part is that I don't have to rush out at the last minute to buy this tool or that supply that I don't have for my kids to be able to make something really cool like a pair of working headphones, a walking robot, or a bubble lamp. For moms with babies, Panda Crate is the best place to start. Each crate supports your baby's rapid development in the first two years of life with science-backed products that support child-led play and encourage open-ended exploration. The crates all include age-specific products designed by experts and backed by researchers at Seattle Children's Hospital to help babies at every stage learn to do by doing what they do best, playing and exploring. Designed just for infants and toddlers, PandaCrate is grounded in the study of early childhood development in a way that's made helpful, practical, and convenient for parents. Every crate comes with a magazine and activity cards featuring research-backed content and activities to nurture your little ones, all shipped right to your door. And there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. Build a foundation for early learning with Panda Crate from KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month and any crate line with code mom to mom at kiwico.com. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com. Promo code mom to mom. So I would imagine it would be pretty important for a mom to be able to identify what her child's smart is in order that she can draw that smart out and make them feel empowered to do the things that they're called to do. But how do we as moms assess that? What determines what kind of smart our child is? Are there some tools that we can use? Do you have any tips for us? Yeah, it's a great question because how many moms are already asking, is there a test? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To be honest, like fair question. If people do purchase my book, they get a free code to an assessment tool that they can do online for themselves and for all their kids. But the risk is that you have to use word smart and self smart to take a test. You have to understand the vocabulary. Mm. You have to be logic smart enough to think it through and then self smart, which is the smart where you know yourself best. So Dr. Howard Gardner, who is the researcher behind the model that we're talking about today, says he'll never affirm a test. I created a checklist, frankly, out of demand. There were so many people who begged for it. And I think the test allows you to begin to see what Dr. Kathy Cook says would be indicative of somebody with that smart. I don't think you should use it as the only way of deciding. If your children are old enough, simply ask them, teach this to them, let them listen to the broadcast. You read portions of the book together and say, you know, Jonathan, is that, I think that's you. Do you think that that might be you? Kids tell me all the time. They never ask me what I think about myself. And a lot of our kids do know something about themselves. A second thing, of course, Jamie, would be when they do talk, what do they talk about? When they do ask questions, because all children ask questions, what do they ask about? Do they ask about the way things work? Logic. The way people think? People. The way um, soccer rules? Logic and body. So you begin to understand these eight. Then what do they talk about? What do they ask about? Certainly, what do they do well? Is Spanish their favorite subject? That would be actually word smart and, believe it or not, music smart. Foreign languages almost always have a musical rhythm and melody to them. 
What do they do well? What kinds of books do they like to read? Do you have a child who likes to read a thesaurus like I did when I was a kid? Hello, WordSmart. How many of us know children who would prefer to read nonfiction over fantasy fiction? More of a logic smart uh, based child. And then lastly, ladies, what if I suggested that one of the best ways to figure out how they're smart is to ask the question, what drives me nuts about my kids? What gets them into trouble and what drives me nuts? Mm. You know, if you have a chatty Kathy like me, hello, <laughs> word smart. But one day you might actually be on a podcast because God created you to be word smart. So what drives you nuts and what gets them into trouble? And I say that with love and respect are two ways to really begin to analyze. I don't dismiss disobedience. First time obedience is correct. Asking our children, teaching our children to obey and to disciple our children in the things of the Lord is really important. And yet they will misbehave because they're children. And what is it that they do that is wrong? It's almost always associated with the smart that they're learning to use and they just don't have self-control yet to use it well. Right. And Satan loves to hijack the gifts that God gave for his purposes. And as moms, if we can recognize this is not a fault necessarily in my child, but it's part of my job to nurture the good gift that God has in that child. Clap, clap, applause and applause, right? You know, red light blinking. That's that's absolutely so true. And, and I think the two of you might've heard me say this. You know, I was a chatty Kathy as a child. I was nicknamed that when I was about two and a half years old. The Thesaurus was my favorite book when I was a child. I won't apologize for that. When I was about 10, mom and dad enrolled me in children's theater and they said, go talk there a while. And, and that's a true story. And that's where I learned to be on the stage, which is where I spend a lot of my time today. But here's the thing for all the moms to remember. And, and my mom and dad were not perfect, but they were good parents. My mom and dad chose, and that's the power of the parent. They chose to see all the words in me as a strength to develop, not a problem to eliminate. Mm. They chose to see all the words in me as a strength to develop, not a problem to eliminate. If I would have been raised, be quiet, be quiet, shut up. Would you go find something to do? I'm so sick of your talking. I don't believe I'd have the ministry I have, nor would I be on the podcast with you tonight. And I don't say that lightly. I had to learn to listen. I had to learn to honor others. I had to learn to not get my needs met with the spoken word. And, and that's you know why I write the books I write and do what I do. Um, you both probably have your own testimonies where there was a gift in you that your parents allowed, or maybe they didn't allow, and you know that it's changed you. And again, it's never too late for a parent to redirect and for a child to decide to trust again, to try again and to develop into who God created them to be. It was so fun because I read portions of your book aloud to my kids so that they could begin to see not just the giftings in themselves, but in each other. And their eyes would light up and they'd point across the room like, that's him, that's you, that's me. And it was exciting to see them recognize the smart in their siblings, yes. because I do have one or two that would probably lean more to the logic, the word smart, all the, the traditional smarts that people want to recognize and are easy to recognize. But it was so fun to see all the kids recognize God has gifted us all with some kind of smart. I do have a question for you, though, because as I was reading that, and now that's in my kids, I feel like they can use that as an excuse not to, you know, do X, Y, or Z because, oh, that's just not my smart, or that's not how God wired me. And there are times in life where we might not be wired that way, but that's the job or the task at hand. So how do we as moms get over that hurdle? Like not allow our kids to use a weakness as an excuse. Oh, yes. What a question. 
could I say the first answer is we can't let our weaknesses be our excuses. Mm. You know, I'll just say, well, I, I thank you, Jamie. And, um, you know, I know both of you enough to know that that you would agree with that. And I don't say that lightly. I just, I just know modeling matters. And if, if we allow our weaknesses to get in our way, we give kids permission to say, well, I'm not going to do it, mom, because it's too hard. That's a good word. I'm um, at Celebrate Kids. We teach, um, don't let your weaknesses win. Lead with your strengths. Spelling doesn't come naturally to me, but I'm still an author of, of several books because you do what you need to do. You'd say to your kids, no, at, at this age, your responsibility is to learn all that you can and all the ways that you can to apply it in God-glorifying ways. So I will not allow you to not do this. I will give you extra time. And this is why we don't say around here, well, my sister's smarter than I am. No, no, no. We learn differently. We learn at a different pace. We learn in different ways. I'm going to give you grace and allow you to do half the problems that your brother did because that's enough for you. I mean, you need to show your kids, I think, especially if you home educate, that you will make some differences and allowances because we're different, right? See, this is the thing with the smarts. Rather than giving into a weakness, you bring a strength alongside that will help them. Mm. Okay. And that's, that's, again, why Tina and I wrote the books we wrote. As an example, because spelling does not come naturally to me. I'm very logic smart. I wish the rules would work. That's one of the reasons I use a thesaurus because I can look up the word pretty and find beautiful. Now, I know how to spell beautiful, so don't get all excited there. But just as an example, right, if I wanted to elaborate with my writing and use more vivid vocabulary, a dictionary won't help me, but a thesaurus can. And so you teach kids where spelling is a challenge to use a thesaurus. I travel with a misspeller's dictionary. In my dictionary, you look up the word knowledge and it's spelled correctly, N-O-W-L-E-G-E. <laughs> Could I have an amen to that? I mean, who spelled knowledge, you know, K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E? That's ridiculous. Yeah. And so that's no different than a calculator for a child who struggles with math facts. Yeah. You, I think the role of the parent is to provide the support, whether that be people or things that will allow children to gain ground. And this is another thing I teach all the time, humility. I'm the founder and president of my own ministry. And guess what? The people who work with me proofread my work. Now we still make mistakes because we're human, but when something is challenging, you don't give in or give up. You lean in, as you've said, Jamie, and you find the support that you need, which means we've got to teach our children to be brave enough to ask for help. Mm. And we've, when a child says, mommy, I'm confused. What a high compliment they paid you, that they would be honest with you. Mm. And then I think our response, you know, mommy, I'm confused. When we quickly say, why weren't you listening? And, and that's a legitimate response. If you're I, like, I get that you have five kids. You're like, oh my gosh, they didn't listen again. Like I totally, like you people chose to have all these children, you know, but it's, it's, it's hard. But the first thing out of your mouth, when a child asks for help, it paralyzes or not. So that's a whole nother talk, but I hope that makes sense. What I've been rambling about. Yeah. And I just want to insert here for the mom who's listening to teach a child to feel comfortable to ask for help. You need to do two things. One, be willing to model it, like Dr. Kathy just said, and ask for help when you need it. And two, when they ask for help, you give it without judgment, without criticism. You just humbly give it. Yeah, I agree. And you use a teachable moment later, perhaps. But absolutely, that's such good input. Such good input. Well, are the way children misbehave related to their intelligences? You touched on this a little bit, but I'd love you to unpack that a little and if that's true, does that mean we should just let them misbehave? Right. Let me unpack it with a couple of examples. So word smart, we might gossip, tease, name call, sarcastic, impressed with our vocabulary because pride, that would be the pride point for us. 
logic smart children Mm -hmm. problem solve or create problems for other people to solve. Mm. So if you say to a logic smart child, don't step over the line, Mm. she's bound to think, oh, if I'm on the line, I'm not over the line. So I'm going to get really close to the line. And when mommy yells, I'm going to say, look at my feet. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, Kate, when I do that in front of an audience, the children just roar because they know they've all done that. Right. Oh, I bet. You know, picture smart children. They think with their eyes and they think with visuals on paper and in their mind. There are certain things they might be drawn to look at that we don't want them looking at. I'm not even going to mention it in case there are kids listening. And they might judge a book by its cover. They might judge a person by its cover. That might be a sinful thing for picture smart or issue. And then music smart, idolizing music, um, pause in the ear rather than listening to mom, You know, ignoring a brother because music's more important. There are some things that wow. could get in the way of music smart kids. Body smart children moving when they're capable of sitting still. Body smart children think with movement and touch. They really do have a high need for the beanbag chair, the rocking chair, the clipboard, the pen that has a fuzzy feel to it. Those are all legitimate things. They also need to understand that they live, work, love in community, and they have a responsibility to be obedient so a mom can teach and a sibling can learn. That will be what gets them into trouble, touching too much, moving too much, getting up out of their seat a lot. Nature smart kids, dirt is something they gravitate toward, believe it or not. (laughs) Um, Again, paying attention to the dog rather than the mom comes to mind and staring out the window. No joke. They're distracted by the butterfly that they find really intriguing. And a little bit more I could say there, but that's probably sufficient. And then people smart, really interesting. I actually think people smart is the most important intelligence to really raise up in our kids because it has to do with reading body language and responding appropriately. It's how they know who is safe to sit by Mm. and who to go with if they were to encounter a quote unquote stranger. It also is the smart that allows us to agree to disagree, brainstorm, network, collaborate, and think together. And we have a culture full of people not doing that. So what if we raised up our kids so that they could learn to stimulate other people's thoughts, agree to disagree and all that. The people smart, good is to motivate. The people smart evil is to manipulate. And when I ask children, how many of you have gotten your mom to say yes, when she should have said no, mm. 80% of the kids raise their hands and laugh. And then I say, don't ever be proud again of something you've done wrongly just because you can. Ooh, that's good. And again, I earn the right to say that to kids near the end of my program, but I want to say to all of the moms who are listening, we need to be strong enough to allow them mm. to be unhappy with us for a, for a minute or even 10 minutes We've got to tell them the truth. And the truth is that you're using something God gave you for good with evil intent. And that's not right. And we can get better at calling sin, sin, if in fact there was sin, mm-hmm. or simply saying to a child, you're so good at that, but now was not the time. And then lastly, quickly, um, Kate, I really appreciate the question. The self-smart children think deeply inside of themselves and they need quiet, peace, privacy, and space. And they're usually comfortable with their own opinions and they can lack teachability. So sin or misbehavior for self-smart would be that they would isolate beyond what's appropriate because they live in a family unit. They think their opinions are so important that they don't need to care about anybody else's. That would be where the misbehavior or the sin of the self-smart part of the brain shows up. We don't allow it at all. But what I think it helps a mom do is identify the strength that we don't want to paralyze. So we don't want to say to the kid, you know, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. So often that they stop talking. And the Ephesians 2.10 gifting that God has given them evaporates. Rather, what we need to do as parents and educators is provide the boundaries that allow them to use that ability only in good and healthy ways. Mm, That is so good. I think every mom that's listening needs to get your book. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you know, it's so rich. There's just, there's so much. Oh, I hope so. To unpack just the little that I'm hearing. I need to get it just to be able to understand my grandkids better. Cause I see so many of these different things in each of them. Mm-hmm. I, I got to get this for my daughter for sure. And I got to get a copy for me. How does understanding how they are smart affect how the children view themselves? Is it going to help them in school and in other ways, just in living life and living with each other in the mm-hmm. family unit? How, how does it affect them? Yeah, no, it's so good. You know, you guys, you both have used the word empower. I think it empowers them to believe in themselves and in their todays and in their tomorrows. I've met a number of kids in high school and a, a number of young adults who have said, yeah, I underperformed. You know, I, I gave up. I think I could have done physics or I could have taken honors English or I maybe could have gone beyond a two-year you know, college program. So I think it does change. You know, identity, it matters. I, I think it changes our view of God, right, Kate? You know, if I think my brother's the smart one and I'm not, or because learning to read was hard, I must be stupid, then God didn't make me well. He made my brother well, or he made my dad really well, but he just kind of threw me together. That is a very scary thing for a child to think because that changes their whole perspective about God as creator and their whole view of, of who they are in the, in the kingdom's perspective, if I can say it that way. So I think it empowers them. I think it gives them hope. I think it gives them an ability to believe that there must be a way around the trouble. If I'm stuck with something really hard, like this assignment is really hard or this whole course is really hard, or I have a job as a 17-year-old and I'm really struggling. Now, what other smart could I use? Like if we teach these to our children and we read the book as Jamie has done in, in bits and pieces, and we start to model the language, we call it out of them, they will begin to realize that when something is challenging, it's not because they're stupid. It's because it's challenging. But what can I do in addition to asking for help that might allow me to be successful? I think it changes their perspective on career, service, volunteering, commitment to community. And, and, and I've seen that in every way. It's just so much fun. It's totally new and revolutionizing for so many people. Yeah. And it really places value on their skills. I remember when I was going through these with my kids, you know, my daughter was at a place where she was beginning to look ahead towards college and decide the path of her life for the next five, 10 years or whatever. For her to recognize I'm people smart and and that matters. And that's a gift from God. How can I use those people smarts? Where can I use those people smarts in my life, in my career path, in my vocation? And that can direct her to the next steps of her life. And she can really walk tall into the calling that God has for her, as opposed to settling for something because she thinks it's the right thing to do or the good thing to do. No, what is God's good for you. And just calling that out in her really gave her some bravery to maybe choose some things that she wouldn't have normally because Mm -hmm. it wasn't on her radar. I love hearing that, you know, in the book, in every chapter, there's a section about career and there is a free download at the website. If people go to eightgreatsmarts.com, eightgreatsmarts.com, look for the free stuff. And there is a download there that's free to anybody who's listening. And it lists about 25 job skills and sample professions for all eight smarts which helps us get out of the box that if I'm logic smart, I have to be an accountant. There's actually many, many things you can do. And I'll quickly mention, I have a nephew who is an engineer by profession, and he was promoted more quickly than anybody else in his incoming class because of his people smart skills. Mm. They were all logic smart. They were hired for their logic smart ability, but Andy's ability with people allowed him to start traveling alone as a junior employee without a senior member of the team because they learned early on they could trust him to negotiate, to motivate, to show respect, 
to honor the colleagues and to, to win over the deal. So the people smart skill kind of attached to all the others can change radically a person's uh, present and future. So how do we do that though, Dr. Kathy? How do we raise confident kids who not only know they're smart, but that can walk in that and learn to love learning in the way that they learn best based on their smart? Come on. Uh, again, you know, we've, we've got to do it, right? You know, I would boldly say that when we believe this, and it's not about Kathy Cook being right, <laughs> when, when this resonates with you, as it has with both of you, and you choose to study this and other ways of identifying your children, and you start to use the vocabulary, you change it up to hear their pain. I'm really sorry that was hard for you, Sarah. You know, some things in life are hard. Let me help you. I mean, I, I could ramble on forever. And I think I, I would add this, you know, we're talking here about the smarts, which can increase academic success, but I'm going to go on record to say that school is not about grades. School is about learning. Mm-hmm. Say it again for the ladies in the back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, school and education, it's not about grades. It's about learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, once school is over, you're not going to get graded again, unless you have certain careers, I suppose. But Learning is about learning where they're learners, they're students, they study, they learn. So I think the way that you raise confident kids who love to learn is to talk more about learning than about performing. Mm. So rather than at the end of the day, how did you do, which is a relevant question to certainly ask sometimes, where could you have improved? You know, why, why are you disappointed? You know, let's talk about that. But what's one of the fascinating things you learned today? Mm. What surprised you today at school? What did what do you now understand that you're not sure I understand? Because I am so much older than you. What have you learned this week that we should tell grandma when we see her on Saturday? To get the kids excited about truth and the application of truth, which is the definition of wisdom. Okay, so you've learned how to write cursive. What so what? So if you're gonna write a thank you note to the first responders or to the, the men and women who collect your garbage, you gotta write neatly so they can read it. So do you want to do, let's, let's do that for our handwriting lesson instead of, you know, boring practice of, of irrelevant sentences. I think that helps them understand learning matters because it empowers me to be an agent of love and influence and change to other people. And we live, I pray to influence other people. Mm, That's so good. I hope so. I I'm passionate about that. We short circuit the system by making it about grades, not that they're irrelevant, but it, it's got to be about learning. I, I know when I was a professor, there were students who learned a lot, but couldn't perform it well. But it, it doesn't mean they didn't learn it. And the same thing is true for little kids. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we could go on for hours with you, Dr. Kathy. I know I could, and I know you could too, Jamie. Well, where can our listeners find you and your resources? I know they're going to want to get your newsletter and go to your website and find you and get your books. So where can they do that? Thank you so much celebratekids.com is our website, celebratekids.com. And there is a a link there toward the bottom where they can sign up for the email newsletter that comes out every Friday, which is a great way to stay in touch. We are, of course, on Facebook and Instagram. You have to do Celebrate Kids Inc. uh, So make sure that you include the INC. And we would love you to follow us there. My books are certainly available on our shopping cart at the website. And of course, many other places as your listeners, I'm sure are aware. I would love them to find out more about who we are and what we do. Wonderful. All of you ladies that are listening, I hope you do that. Go to Kathy's website, get on her newsletter list. I know it's going to be a rich resource for you. Raising children who love to learn is a goal of just about every parent, but not every parent believes they have the tools to do it properly. 
But by learning how to identify your child's innate smarts, parents will have a unique advantage and a leg up on helping their kids recognize that they really are smart, no matter what the circumstances say. How children view themselves is so important. And as parents, we can help them view themselves correctly. Thank you so much, Dr. Kathy, for enlightening us today and helping our listeners understand that there is much more to their children's abilities than they realized. Their kids really are smart. They just need to dig in and identify and awaken their innate abilities. Thanks for listening today. We're excited to have you back soon and chat with us about how moms are smart in these eight ways too. And to all of our listeners, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook if you aren't already and leave us a rating on the podcast. It helps other moms to find us. 